0: Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. The class of 1999 continues. We're going to catch up with a movie from the summer of 1999, which is uh, very fitting given the uh, title that the movie is. It is Spike Lee's uh, drama Summer of Sam. And joining me to uh, talk about the film is a writer and director and producer. We've had the uh, podcast before. He uh, directed 2050 as well as produced Alienated. We talked about with him uh, both times those have come out. Uh, Please join me in uh, welcoming back to the podcast Prince and Hold. Thank you very much for joining me again. Hey, Brian. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Um, Good. I'm when when you when you told me that you were finally when you were gang ready to uh, rewatch Summer of Sam in preparation for this, I was. I'm definitely. I I was definitely curious to get uh, your opinion on it. Um, this this is a movie I have not seen since 1999. Whoa. Part of it is. Part of it is because of the fact that I've never, I'll admit, I've never been a particularly big fan of this one. There are certainly other Spike Lee films that I've been huge fans of, not just stuff like Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, uh, but like 25th Hour is really good. Get on the Bus is phenomenal. Um, But Summer of Sam is one that just did not work for me when I saw it in 1999 So I was really curious to see the rewatch, especially being more familiar with uh, Spike Lee's work than I was back in 1999. Um, I still have my issues with it. I I feel a bit better about it. I have a (laughs) clearer idea of how I feel about the movie. Yes. What what is your experience with the movie?
1: That's a good one. I... (laughs) Let me ask you before, before if I can, like before I answer, what did you when, when you saw it in '99? Did you see it in the theater? I did see it in theaters. Yeah. Oh my God, you lucky sob! Man. <laughs> I I didn't. I haven't seen it in the theater. My wife said she saw this in the theater, mm-hmm. and a couple of other people told me that they saw this in the theater back in '99. I don't remember seeing this in the theater. Um, So I've missed that experience altogether. I don't believe that I even have seen the, I usually go to um, um, sort of retro screenings of older movies and of all the other Woody Allen, Spike and um, um, Scorsese and and Fellini, etc. Filmmakers, films that I've seen, old films, this was not one of them. So I'm 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 even more blown away that you got to experience it in the theater. <laughs> uh, I rewatched it, and yeah, I like you. I I do have some thoughts that have sort of evolved throughout the years, but overall, uh, it remains the same in terms of my response to it. I love it. Um, I love the movie. It's not, you know, I am I am partial. I am a Spike Stan. Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh i am crazy about spike i would argue that i might be his biggest fan um but again like other filmmakers that i'm fans of i don't ever assume that they have a film a perfect filmography and right. uh he's he's one of those he does not have a perfect filmography um like almost all the other ones um and there's other films that i but let's just say there are a lot of there's other films of his that i have way more issues with than this one okay. um Mine are my issues here. Watching it this time are this is this how much of a dick this main character is that I didn't notice before. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this no. is probably one of the worst main character ever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and jump into it on that. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say, like, I I think part of my thing with this movie is that I'm not, I just can't. I, I can't get interest in the the characters in the story. Like I okay. really can't. Like I Okay. And and you know, you talk about uh Vinny the John Leguizamo character that way. I mean, he is a, he is a complete dick. I mean, he really <laughs> is and it's like I think part of in and, and the thing is it's like part of the problem I have with this movie is that so much of when so much of the story is about following these characters in their everyday lives and uh you know during the summer of uh when son of sam is killing in this uh neighborhood and i i think that's one of the main problems with this is that if you don't have if if you don't at least have a certain degree of empathy for these characters and the paranoia and the tension that's going percolating through this neighborhood, while Son of Sam is doing his killing, mm-hmm. it throws off the storytelling.
1: Right, absolutely. <laughs> you almost you don't you don't you're not rooting for John Legu- Leguizamo to not get killed. Like yeah. at some point, I was like, you know what? It'd be nice if he gets if if he gets shot by uh by by the Summer Sam, you know. My yes. son of Sam, I'm like, why is he living? You know, mm-hmm. he should have gotten killed, not not anybody else. He they should have gotten dead. Right, he's an awful character,
0: man. Well, awful thing, character. Well, and the thing is, it's like the I I will say one of the things that I did find interesting about his character, and in particular his relationship to Diona, the uh Mira Sorvino character, is yeah. that the the whole thing is basically. It it's it's something that ties into sort of the sexual revolution of the seventies. And okay. their character is Phil their their relationship is basically built on sexual tension where it's like he he's constantly cheating on her and all she wants to do is to please him. Okay. But she's uncomfortable with the ways that she's trying to please him and it all comes up to his head. Uh, when they end up at an orgy together. Right. Like, that's the one part of that narrative that is interesting to me. Right. You know, and that's... And when it gets into that part, that's when those two characters are at the more interesting. And you have actors like uh, Leguizamo and Sorvino who've done really good work. It helps to have those characters do it. But at the same time, I those characters are otherwise written just so threadbare and just very one note that it's hard, you know, like we were saying with Vinny, it's hard to empathize
1: with them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I gotta say, I've never, I've never articulated, I've never thought about this before until now, um, until that second viewing. And then I only, I only, I only really was thinking about Vinny mostly. I was so, um, I was so disgusted by him that you that I might have missed uh, mayor Savino's character and you're right it is a flat there there's some flat characterization there um to the point where it takes away from the narrative I would even go a little further let's go ahead so we, we agree on those two characters being sort of flat and and poorly written um I would say the same thing about Richie um Adrian Brunk, yeah. uh adrian's Brady's character yeah. Brody mm-hmm. um yeah his 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 is i mean they give him something interesting to do but the like you just never get revolution is he gay is he not gay mm-hmm. uh that's never clarified um not that you know not that i guess uh, you, that's pretty you're pretty that was progressive back if they did that on purpose then and they did that on purpose to make a statement that you don't need to decide though no, that's that was way before that was right, even a thing. Right. So I don't I'm not giving the screen reader, I'm I'm not screen I'm not giving the screenwriter that much credit for being that far ahead. Um so I guess I'm looking at all of the characters when I think about it. I, I think just overall this is a script that slipped through. Um and it's unfortunate because out the reason I love it, Brian, is is um is what Spike's doing. It has yeah. so much. It has so much character. Um, it's not character, but actually, <laughs> I shouldn't use that word. Uh, there's, there's a lot of life in this movie. Can we agree? We can agree. It's we, really we can life. We agree on
0: that. Because, I mean, yeah. the fact of the matter is, it's like, it, and the thing that I, the thing that really stands out the most in this movie, the stuff that I can't, on second viewing made me realize that it's like, this is, this does have genuinely terrific moments, is right, basically right. all of the stuff, all of the scenes with Sam, all of the scenes in his apartment, all of the scenes with him killing, all of the scenes where we're basically getting our glimpses of um, David
1: Berkowitz, who's played right. by
0: the amazing Michael right.
1: Another great performance. And he's, yeah, movie. I mean,
0: he's fantastic in this film. Um that's where this movie really hits its stride. It's like this is it's like if if the movie if the movie had been I don't know how you tell the story necessarily. I mean, to a certain extent I wonder I couldn't help but wonder especially in the beginning with the first kill scene, I couldn't help but wonder if maybe David Fincher was inspired by this movie and at least Spike Lee's handling of <laughs> Son of Sam, when he was making Zodiac, mm-hmm. it's like I got that feeling where it's like you get that feeling on, of unease, of just suspense at death, at you know, random death that doesn't really seem to have much of a purpose other than the fact that I must kill, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that's so. That really is so fantastic in this movie. Yeah.
1: You're like, he's just killing you, he's not telling you why. He's just, I'm just gonna, I'm just here to kill as many people as possible. And yeah. uh and you're not gonna know we to expect it and all of that. And then what does that do? That gets the entire neighborhood on edge. Mm-hmm. Uh and I the biggest takeaway now that I think about it, and I can, you know, is that you can still tell this story with likable characters. You can still yeah. share there's a there is a way to share the hysteria. Um, even sh- and that the, that the, that, the, that it caused in the characters in the you know, whole town, without making them one-sided and making them sort of sort of one-dimensional. And 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 and, and in, in John Leguizamo's case, a horrible human being. <laughs> now you don't you don't want saint you don't want saints walking around the city and then you know they're 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 perfect right. uh, because then that's a little too much. But they just don't have any redeeming value, like you. <laughs> Like we just don't, you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, what he was, what what the script was going for was the the was, you know, obviously Berkowitz made everyone nuts and turned the the worst sides of these people um, came out. When so, who's the killer? You know, we have one that taking taking human life, and the other ones are doing soulless shit to each other and indirectly taking each other's lives. Right. Lives, you know. So yeah. Uh, I kind of get that, but it's just the characterization. And, it, and what's bad about this, Brian, is I think these are some fantastic performances. I thought Lig was That's the weird thing is Lig was almost fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And 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 Servino is too. I just think she's. This is one of my favorite performances of hers. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, and 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 I thought Brody worked his ass off too. I mean, he he was, he was it's not the most fun thing, but it was at least. Yeah. This, it was such I a. Mean,
0: uh, Really early for Brody. I mean, I think this was one of the first films, if not the first film, I remember seeing him in.
1: Oh, with, okay. Wow. Wow. Because,
0: I mean, this is before The Pianist. This is before yeah. he won the Oscar for The Pianist. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I don't remember what else he did before this that we have seen him in, but... Yeah, I mean he's he's good. You're you're right. Like the performers are really good in this. They're
1: really going, man. They're free. <laughs> Look at BB Newsworth. Look at BB Newsworth. That little small role she yeah. has, but how much freedom mm-hmm. she that she's given, and and how risky she is. And oh my God, man! I don't think we've ever we had ever seen her this dark. No. If you if you recall that same weekend that I rewatched this, I had a little personal film festival. You you know this because you follow me on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh My my wife and, and toddler, uh, my toddler's son, they were out of town for a few days, and so I was just gonna, you know, I just had my own film festival. So uh, I of course had SOS in here because we were gonna have this conversation. Right. And it just it just so happened that in that list of films that I was watching was also celebrity. Mm-hmm. And BD New B. 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 Newsworth in there. Um also is is um she plays I think a hooker who teaches um uh oh, what's her name? The, the, the character in uh, a celebrity, Judy <sighs> Ooh, I want to see it. <clears throat> I'll I'll get it right. <laughs> uh I got it right here. Judy Davis. Okay. She teaches Judy, Judy okay. Davis how to perform fellatio by On her husband by using a banana. Um, And then she chokes, and then um, Judy has to give her uh, the Heimlich maneuvers. Just a really funny scene. It's sort of like it's physical comedy. It's Woody Allen directing other actors, um, sort of to do physical comedy like he has experience doing, and they pull it off. So this. It was, I think, but I think this was before this. I think this was well before yeah, celebrity, celebrity came
0: out. Celebrity was just before this, and really, I mean, oh, before celebrity was before it this. Is, you said just well, celebrity was ninety eight. This was ninety nine. So okay, they're, they're okay, basically the same time.
1: They made so. she just dispar- dispar- it's it's a it's probably possible she shot this she shot these two films within the same year, which oh, is yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's fascinating. So she has two. Okay, so there you have it. She 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 had her probably. And we had seen and on Frazier, and then mm-hmm. we see how Woody used her, and then we see how Spike used her. And both are just incredibly, you know, raw, brave, dark performance of dark characters she's playing without blinking. and, yeah. You know, and it showed certain. You know, we didn't know that that's who was hiding behind <laughs> the character in Fraser. Yeah. Uh, or or not Frazier, but Frazier and well, um, Frazier and Cheers. And Cheers. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So again, I'm again, I'm, I'm I am not trying to just pull all the positives because uh, you know there's there's a certainly a lot to talk about with the characters, but the performers. How do you? I mean, I'm 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 curious how these actors got these performances with reading these sort of one-sided or at least one-dimensional characters. You know.
0: Well, and I mean, I think a big part of that is the type of filmmaker Spike Lee is. I mean, because even because the thing about Spike Lee, it's like you you mentioned that it's like. <laughs> You know, no no filmmaker's filmography is perfect. And that's very much the case with Spike Lee. And I think part of the thing with Spike Lee is that he takes such big chances Mm -hmm. with the movies that he does. I mean, even in this thing, even in this movie, where you're dealing with one-dimensional characters, essentially, he's still taking chances with, with the... Movie that he's telling because of the fact that he's he he's essentially doing it. It's weird because it sort of seems like to a certain extent he's 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 adding his voice to like the paranoid thrillers of like the 1970s.
1: Oh wow, wow! You know,
0: like you think about all the present men, you think about right. um three days of the condor and stuff like that, and right, he he you. Th- you figure it's like that's sort of what he's tapping into with this, but it doesn't part of the reason it doesn't work is like you said, the script.
1: It's and, the script. And <laughs> it's the, the script.
0: He just doesn't have the script
1: this time out. <laughs> right, right, right. Spike Spike's known to do that. We've seen that when you gotta say you just if there's anything you can say about Spike, it's his it is that there. his misses are almost always uh, always can be blamed on script choice. Yeah, the script wasn't ready, and he went into production. So, mm-hmm. and he always, he, most of the time, he works with studios, and I don't know how much freedom he had. I know he typically used to have. I, I want to say at least some kind of a final cut. I don't. I never remember him having issues with cuts, but yeah. Um, but at the same time, he's he's the times when he's missed has been, they, they let the script go, you know, they, the script right. was not ready, you know, and they went into production with the script that wasn't ready to go. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then the ones, uh, you know, this is, there's some people who feel like Spike uh, was at his, his best stuff is when he writes it himself, when he's the writer. Mm-hmm. Um
0: he does have a writing cred on this, but I mean, you feel like it's- probably, Oh, he does? It's probably something that he- he came on to the script already existed and he just tried to put his voice into it after. Oh wow. It wasn't that. Oh yeah. I have a feeling it wasn't (laughs) necessarily something he developed from the get go.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I I can, that definitely looks like that's what that looks like. Oh, I mean, I definitely see, I didn't know he had a a writing credit on this. I didn't. I mean, he's,
0: he's, yeah, I mean, he's credited as a co-writer, but I mean, it's, it's oh, its co-writer? Yeah, it's uh yeah, he's got a let's see. Who? Let's see Victor Colicchio and Michael uh, Imperioli are the uh
1: Imperioli other writers. wrote on this. It. Oh so, my god. So his buddy, oh so his buddy wrote this. The guy from Soprano. Imperioli wrote this. Okay. And, and then Spike, yeah, that's Michael Imperioli. Uh, Imperioli from the uh Spike has like he he don't, he has some very interesting friends man and he they, they go way back you know yeah um and then he ends up working with them like uh, him and John Liziano are like are are really really mm-hmm. cool he said that they just never found anything to work on together and and the same with Ed. Uh, with Ed Norton. Ed Norton, they've been trying to say, hey man, we like each other, let's do something, and finally the opportunity comes up. Yeah. But yeah, the stuff when he writes, uh, if you could make the case, one could t- make the case that his best stuff is the stuff where he is involved from the from the door on yeah. the screenplay. Yeah. He wrote Do the Right Thing, he wrote uh, he wrote Do the Right Thing, he wrote Jungle Fever, he wrote Malcolm X, you know, uh, he had collaborators, of course, here and there. Um, yeah. he, he wrote He's Got Game." And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and, you know, so he wrote, He's got game. And Denzel said that when he first wrote, when he, when he got to the end of the script, he called Spike and goes, yo, you wrote this? (laughs) (laughs) I just, he's like, I just want to make sure. So, uh, yeah, so this is, this, this is a good case, perhaps that, you know, Spike is, I know how difficult it is to direct something someone else wrote from, you know, my experience with 2050 was, it was Mm -hmm. just, it was a, it was a nightmare because I couldn't, see what he said it saw in his head i think i was reading it and then i had to reread it I had to read it and then completely unimagine everything that i that i read and, and have you know had to d- adapt to it on the day and what the space actually is going to look like it was really a mind for me right um so you know in his in his to, to his credit you know uh he, he does like he said he has an incredible great moments and a lot of great moments what did you think about the music
0: Oh, Terrence Blanchard. No, that's one of the things I did make a point of mentioning because Terrence Blanchard scores absolutely fantastic in this. I mean, this this is he's 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 such a great composer and I'm so glad he finally got a nomination. This. Oh, my God. Black Klansman. Oh, Um, my God.
1: He's he's one of the maybe my top. He might be top two, top two, top three for me favorites ever. You know, he's amazing. He he
0: always brings such a wonderful voice and such a wonderful sense of emotion to Spike Lee's films. I mean, even, you know, even films that, you know, he, I don't remember what other, I don't remember uh, non-Spike Lee films, although I, I know I've seen his name on other films that Yeah, he did. did not direct, but I Yeah, mean, I
1: can't remember either. You're right. He does have something <laughs> on something pretty big that didn't that I think did he win Oh, I thought he won for something else.
0: Why not? Let me
1: let me see sure. I think you're right about you're right about Terrence. See, thank God we because of this uh the internet age, we can we can fact check as yeah. we're on the live on the pod. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm googling too. Uh <laughs> Because he's one of my top three favorites, man. I um, I yeah. John John Bryan, Nino Rota, and and Terrence Blanchard are okay. my three okay, um, favorite composers ever. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So let me see. He, hmm. Let's see, come on. Watch, we're gonna be blown away by how many he did do that weren't it? Spike movies. Yeah.
0: And I think he did. I think John he did Twenty Fifth that- Hour.
1: Oh my god. That's one of the best ones ever.
0: And I think one of the, I think one of the movies he did that was not Spike Lee. The one, one of the ones that I remember is uh, Red Tails, which is uh, the film George Lucas produced about the uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Right, I'm pretty right. Pretty sure that was up there too.
1: Right. Um. Yeah, he's done all of pretty much all the Spike stuff up to a certain point. But I think we might be thinking about um yeah, Summer Sam. Wow, man, this is this is crazy to, to look at he's done all the spike stuff up um, since since jungle fever. Yeah. These are these are all spike things. He did uh the Katrina thing. Yeah. Um, where did I see him in? I am I'm, I'm along with you, man. We I saw him for something else and, and I don't I can't remember. Catholic records, that's probably the only. And I don't even think that's where it was. Oh well. Let's see. Um <laughs> definitely let's people see. I know. Barbershop.
0: Are yeah, there, a TV there, show there, or there are a lot of yeah, there are definitely a lot of non spike uh movies here. But yeah. yeah, I mean it is the and oh wow, Eve's Bayou. I forgot he composed that.
1: Yeah.
0: That's, yeah. That's a phenomenal movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. I mean, they're, they're,
1: what do you think about, so that's the score, but he also killed the, I think the soundtrack is, if you want to ask me my favorite part of this, of this movie, it's by far the soundtrack. Yeah. So that's probably what I'm projecting when I say, that this is this is one of my you know these this is on my list of favorites. Despite <laughs> despite that, I am a moments guy. I fully admit that. Uh, I think twenty fifty might even suggest that. So uh, I'm I'm big on moments, and um, yeah. all of my favorite movies are they have moments. If they're even if they're not seamless, they're these mm. these incredible moments that for me, uh, for better or worse, satisfy me in a way. And I, that's what I. I'm not, we're not talking about the Tarantino movie um the uh the once upon a time in hollywood but i mean that movie brian Ackley and i disagree very much about that movie <laughs> i mean it was it it, it almost got contentious. I I had to ignore him. That's how bad I was getting. Uh because I, wow. I loved it he I, I loved it and he hated it. I didn't even respond to his email. That's how bad I didn't agree with it. But oh, man. um yeah, I was like, you know what, screw him. I'm not even yeah, going to respond to
0: I, this shit. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, I know he's not a fan of it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I I had my issues with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But, I mean, overall, I still thought it was good. I still so that's what I'm again. saying. <laughs> I still want to see it again. And hopefully I'll get a chance to. And I, I really want to see him do the miniseries thing like he did with uh, Hateful Eight on Netflix
1: because mm, supposedly mm, mm, it
0: is something he's talking about with that and with Hollywood and it's like I really would love to see that because I mean there's so much about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and we're going off on a tangent but that's okay um we do that <laughs> that uh, that I really like but there are other things about where it's like I you know I'm not sure if I I'm not sure if I necessarily like some of the choices he makes in that movie. So, right.
1: So that's my question. Do you feel when you sat down and watched it, are the, this is the difference between uh, acne and I, when you watch it, are those moments enough to satisfy you as a terms in terms of an experience or is the critic in you or the artist in you that you just can't get around those issues?
0: Overall, overall, they're enough to satisfy me because basically the moments that really stand out to me and the moments that really work for me in that movie is ultimately the the bond and the the scenes with Rick about Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth with DiCaprio and Pitt's characters. Oh sharing. yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! Oh, I mean, yeah! Those those are more than I mean. Whether it's Dalton. Um, on on the set and dealing with the uh, child actor and just sort of kind of realizing that there's a lot of truth to the book that he's reading in terms of his own life as far as how he's going for it in the scene when he is in the scene the breakdown he has uh, right in, in his trailer and then Booth you've got the, oh my god the the fantastic scene with. At the uh, Manson compound. Right. Which i mean, Right. I oh have, my goodness. Yeah. I I have issues with, you know, it's like I'm not sure if it's overly successful in bringing, you know, the Sharon Tate and the Manson murders into it, but it's like overall, it doesn't damage my experience. Your experience.
1: Well, that, so, and I'm bringing that up because that's how I feel, not only about this film but i feel about this in in when it comes to movies in general yeah um and and i i my biggest experience is my my best my favorite films are things that that felt like an experience and i can forgive certain mis misgivings and i know that that that's what that's why i get into disagreements with other (laughs) film lovers because i feel satisfied that's what it is and this movie satisfies me because of Overly so many great moments. The opening, like you brought up, the opening of the move, the movie to Fernando, um, mm-hmm. the song Fernando, and those two girls get shot right, uh by berkowitz and that's the first image that we see after that incredible opening. Um, you know, I love the opening, I love the, the newspaper motive that yeah. he uses yeah. motif that he uses, and then they open the movie with the gunshots and then cut to that to the car pulling around. Uh, and this is something else I wanted to before I get back to the moment. This is I'm gonna do a little brief tour here to get your opinion because I was what I laughed when I saw it. What the hell was Spike doing, blatantly ripping off spooky Nights and <laughs> those whole fans he doing? I we borrow from each other all the time. You know this, Brian. Mm-hmm. So and you get you have some people, some filmmakers who literally will respond to another filmmaker. Um, subtly, in their own head, or, you right. know, um, I they said that uh, Paul there and Tarantino do this all the time. They will one-up each other on a certain shot, or look how I'll hold this one longer than you held this one, uh, this shot here, and they do little things like that. But this didn't look like a comment. I mean, I don't know if he was, if this was a comment on, or if he was feeling like, hey, I can do one better here, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, you're not <laughs> he did not do one better than the Boogie Nights opening. Okay. <laughs> that Those Boogie Nights dance scenes are legendary. The, those two scenes with, yeah. with, with, uh, Leguizamo and, and, uh, and yeah. are are not even close to the great dance sequences of, <laughs> of Boogie Nights. So I don't yeah. know what he was doing using the the, the the Boogie Nights song as the red car comes along and then they, they get out of the car and it's still one take, uh, He didn't, he did not take the whole shot. Granted, he cut as we got, he held the shot from outside of the car until about halfway into the club. Then he cut. Right, so it wasn't it wasn't a full thing, but yeah. I don't know. The Boogie Nights came out two years was released two years before this one. It was in ninety seven. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure out what was he doing. <laughs> I was hey, like, what is is he yeah. like is he paying homage to a movie that came out two years ago, or is he what's no, he doing? Mean, the
0: fact that, but <laughs> the fact of better is, I mean, Scorsese's done that type of the the long tracking shots as well, and it's like right. the long takes as well. I mean, think about think about the scene when the 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 Cabana. Where were they going They're to The famous the best one. The best, like, one. That's, the that's best like one. The most famous one of the most famous single takes in history. Um, they
1: showed us that they showed us that shot in film school, like the first yeah. day. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. And uh, so I mean I you know, it's like I I I I didn't even think about that as an homage to uh Boogie Nights, but I mean part but part of that might be because of the fact that I mean Boogie Nights is a movie I've I, it's another movie that it's like I've never been a big fan of. I, I Whoa really, oh, I,
1: Brian, I, whoa, stop depressing! <laughs> <laughs> whoa I'm sorry. That's insane. Oh, that's awesome. I've never heard that take. Yeah, I so
0: okay. I I like I have more respect for it now as a movie than I did why I first saw it, which <laughs> Okay. To be fair, when I first saw it Oh in 1997, shit, I, I, I am blown did... away. <laughs> okay, so when I saw Boogie Nights, another another diversion, but that's okay because we're talking about so. Okay, when I first saw Boogie Nights in 1997, I saw it in theaters. It was about a week, a week and a half after I saw Goodfellas for the first time.
1: Oh I wow! I
0: fucking loved Goodfellas. Goodfellas and is so perfect. My favorite movie. Basically. All when I was watching Boogie Nights, all I could see is so this is basically Goodfellas in the porn industry, right? It's essentially what it is, and I couldn't get that out of my head because okay, (laughs) Goodfellas was something that blew me away, right? Right, right. Now, granted, it's like I that that led to me just really actively not liking Boogie Nights for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I did re- rewatch I think, a year or so, a year and a half or so ago. And I think it's a, I, I like it as a movie. It's, it's a good movie. Is it something that I necess- I wouldn't put it in the top tier of Paul Thomas Anderson's. I'm much more of a fan of his work since um, Punch Drunk Love, but it's a good movie. I, I yeah, it's see, not my favorite. I, it's I not see, my
1: favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I,
0: I see the value of it now beyond just, oh, he's, he's you know, it's his take on Scorsese. It's his on
1: take on Scorsese. Score yeah, you know, these guys do this all the time. So, <laughs> these guys uh, do that all the time. With they do that yeah. all the time. They always, they, they, people are paying attention if they, but your people, you saw it. These guys yeah. borrow from each <laughs> other. We borrow from each other all the time. Instead of going publicly and bitching about your film, which I don't respect, I don't like when other filmmakers publicly trash another film. Uh, on, I just don't like that on social media or whatever because I kind of feel like you're betraying the community. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to trash another filmmaker, that's, I'm not talking about some big Hollywood temple, but to trash a filmmaker who's trying something publicly is kind of lame to me. Yeah. Um I think I think the best way to do something is if you don't if you if you feel like it could have been better, try to do your own version of it. Right. Um and so yeah, now so that said, I gotta I can I can kinda see what you're saying now and I'm hoping that you don't ruin my experience going back. In and, it and <laughs> to Goodfellas, because I love I love Boogie Nights, but I love Goodfellas yeah. way more. Goodfellas is my favorite movie, and so perhaps you saw it so close to Boogie I, Nights kind of I think, it I of think that's
0: what it was. I I think if I had had like maybe a month removed from my first time seeing Goodfellas or something oh. like that, that might be a different story. But yeah, I I just it was it was like a week and a
1: half, two weeks apart,
0: and it's like wow. I, I just oh, guess what? Can't
1: get past this. <laughs> well, um, guess what? Guess what, Brian? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some information here. It might be slightly hard to take, but my okay. take is that the person that ruined the the good the boogie night for you is you. your decision yes. of yeah. when you chose when you saw it. And ruined what could have been no. an amazing decision, and, I mean, an amazing experience. And the fact of <laughs> the matter is,
0: it's like, I completely understand that because <laughs> I, you know, another movie from 1997 that I actively did dislike the first time I saw it was David Lynch's Lost Highway. It was my okay. first David Lynch film. It's right. not really a good film to go into David Lynch on.
1: It's okay like, right it, no it kind
0: of helps to have something like blue velvet or something blue like velvet that. yeah, yeah. or, or anymore
1: mahalid drive anything. yeah exactly <laughs> i mean
0: even Mahone drive it's like i'd be i mean it's accessible but at the same time it's like not really the surreal yeah. aspects of it it's like i'm not sure if i would necessarily say oh yeah that should be your first david lynch I think it's right. probably, it's the sweet spot. That's between, the safe. Like, accessibility and what David Lynch is about as a filmmaker. But that was a movie where it's like, I just, I, I didn't like it. And it was because I just wasn't used to Lynch at the time. Because every right. other time I've seen it since, I like it a little bit more. And it's because I'm more okay. into... I'm, I'm more familiar with Lynch now. I'm more familiar with what he's trying to do as a filmmaker now. And I mean, ultimately, it's like that's kind of the same thing that happened with Boogie Nights, where it's like I saw it, and I'm like, okay, I can see, I, I can see what he's trying to do. I can see that he's not just ripping off Scorsese. He's trying <laughs> to do his own thing. He's got his own ideas, and they're yeah. good ideas.
1: He so, did. I mean, what the, so Boogie Nights is ninety-seven, yeah, and um, and and Goodfellas is ninety. Yes, got it. Okay, I was gonna say four years apart is crazy. To, I mean, three yeah. years apart to do that is kind of weird. And <laughs> and I was thinking at first ninety-four. So I just found it weird that he was playing the song Boogie Nights during the shot during yeah, during yeah. that shot. <laughs> so I was like, what the hell? What the hell? That that's about. Well, but outside of that. Yeah.
0: So, so I would say part of that is because it's such a it's such a recogni- I would say as far as going back to Summer of Sam and uh you know, you recognizing that the same song in Boogie Nights and the same song as in Summer of Sam, it's like that's also a relatively familiar song to the seventies as far as like it it's one of those things where it's like filmmaker it filmma- filmmakers setting a tone for you know, saying a time and place for the 1970s, and yeah. especially that era of the 70s with the disco yeah. era, that's kind of gonna be a song that you probably go to. All
1: right,
0: so that's that's, fair. that's what I would say. <laughs> as far as that, but yeah, I mean, I, it, yeah, I mean the the connection as far as like the. You know them at the disco and stuff like that. Basically, being at the beginning of the movie, and, yeah, I, I, I kind of get that. So,
1: <laughs> but overall, there's the soundtrack, the disco, like you mentioned. Oh my goodness, the era. I personally haven't. I don't. I don't think that we see enough um, movies that incorporate disco and in, in that sound. He incorporated it. He had he had some Sinatra at some point. He had some pop at some point and a lot of disco. Um, oh my goodness. Love the soundtrack might be, it It could be up there with my favorite soundtracks from Spike, from a Spike film. Um, it could be up there as one of the top, top ones. Um, yeah. I really love his use of music. And then obviously what he's doing with the camera. Um, mm-hmm. My question is uh, my favorite, my favorite, I, I want to get your opinion. I would say <clears throat> one of my favorite scenes is probably the climax Um, one of the all time favorite Spike Lee uh climaxes, in my opinion. Um, outside, you know, outside of these horrible characters, we have just seen Liguizamo do the hard, the worst thing to his buddy possible. He sets him up basically to get beat to death almost. Yeah, he sets him up, which is oh, I I saw that, I was like, this guy is the worst character. So, after he sets him up. Spike then brings brings in um brings in the who? We won't get fooled again. Mm. And what proceeds is David, the capture of Berkowitz. Right. <laughs> and Spike being the king, one of the kings of spectacle as Spike Lee. Nobody can build a scene. Very few people can 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 take a scene and just make it into pure spec spec uh spectacle. Right. The way he does. Like he did in Malcolm X where there, there's that scene with the Nation of Islam is walking and you're demanding, uh, that the guy, that the, that the, 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 minister gets medical attention and all those Muslims stand out, um, uh, outside of the hospital and Spike raises his, I mean, uh, Malcolm raises his finger and points and those guys single file, they exit, uh, in suits, you know, right. that's spectacle, man. That's, that's what he's great at. And this scene is a great example of that by just having these people, these angry mob fans. Um uh I mean these angry mobs uh in the neighborhood with signs uh the killer, you are a killer, capture him, and then the police car comes down the and, and the lights just perfect. And the, and the the way he cuts it and, and Berkowitz is uh the lick in his eye as if he's like famous. Oh mm. to that song, I I really, really dug that 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 conclusion. Yeah, that, no, that. And,
0: and I will say that ending is I mean, you're absolutely right when it comes to uh Spike Lee and the big moments and building big, big uh, sequences and climaxes like that. And I mean, this is an excellent example of it. It's one of the, it's the one thing where it's like the, the son of it. It's the one, it's the biggest part of the movie where I feel like these two separate stories as far as like son of Sam and his, you know, his, his reign of terror, his paranoia over. And cause Let's face it, I mean, you know, yes, John Leguizamo basically um, sells Richie out, but they're also, they're already thinking that, you know, maybe Richie is some Sam because of the changes they've seen in him throughout right. the year, throughout the movie, because of the fact that he's started to get into the punk scene.
1: Goth, poxie, Yeah, so they do recognize he, They're <laughs> starting
0: to, they're already, they already have that idea in their heads. He just pushes it a little bit further, and yeah, it builds to that climax, and yeah, that climax is absolutely fantastic, the way uh, Spike Lee builds it, and constructs it. Um, it really, It. It's, it's one of those moments where, like, this is this is why a filmmaker like Spike Lee was, you know, necessary to make a movie like this, and make a movie right. about this subject because right, it's it's similar, it's it's got the same type of it doesn't have quite the impact of the climax of Do the Right Thing, no, which is essentially which essentially hits a lot. Of, which essentially hits a lot of the same beats.
1: That's a good point. I didn't think um, about that. You can compare you can compare those conclusions. But yeah. You can definitely compare. Yeah.
0: But the thing is and the difference is, of course, was with Do the Right Thing, there's such a or such a stronger personal connection to all of the characters in that. Exactly. That's why right. that's why that climax is so iconic and why it's so heartbreaking because it's like even if, we, even if we des- even if we don't necessarily like Mookie throwing the trash can into the pizzeria, we understand why he does it. Right. We understand right. why he does it, and we also, you know, and, and that's what's so powerful about it. And it's like and we're also
1: we're pissed that Radio Rahim got killed. Yeah, he gets killed by the cop before if being too. You know, yeah, uh, and that—that's very difficult to do. We care about everybody, mm-hmm. so uh, now that, yeah, that's a good point. If you compare that, especially in in light of the climax, uh, to do the right thing, yeah, therein opens up it exposes the holes in Summer sand when it comes to story mm-hmm. uh, and character. That's a that's a that's a very that's a good comparison, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, part part of the problem with some some that. Part of the problem with Summer of Sam, in my opinion, unfortunately, is that the only the only character in that climax that I really have strong feelings about is Richie.
1: Right. And you feel bad like, for Richie. You
0: feel bad for Richie. You don't necessarily... And even though you understand to a certain extent why they feel the way they do, you also, as far as why they're so gung-ho about this at the same time it's like really you're it's it's I'm I'm not It's like they're
1: looking for somebody to blame Brian you see it they were what is they were looking for somebody to blame they just were so nuts man And this guy's coped out of his mind the whole this whole time. Yeah, he's, His girl left him, his, his wife left him, he's cheating, he can't keep his dick in his pants, mm-hmm. and then he has the nerve to point the finger at Richie. And so, I mean, I was just like, oh my god, you have no redeeming value. <laughs> yeah. What a horrible character.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's actually kind of interesting, because the more I'm thinking about this ending, the more it the more it feels not just in how it sort of quotes do the right thing in terms of how it builds the climax, but it's another. It's it's an example of Spike Lee basically. It's it's Spike Lee essentially condemning quick quick judgment of other people. Because okay, why are why are they so susceptible to this idea that Richie is some son of Sam? Like, they're he they're quick to get to that impression because of the because of they because of the way he's changed in over the movie because of the way he's evolved over the movie he's now sep- he's not the same as they are
1: he's different he's different yeah so and, like you said he, yeah the judgment of people who are who are different than us that we perceive as different than we are mm-hmm rush to judgment which, which is
0: a very which is very much prevalent in all of Spike Lee's films I mean you look at 25th hour obviously do the right thing you look at Black Klansmen it's all of even even get on the bus is the same way it deals with the ideas of uh, it deals with those ideas and that's that's what makes Spike Lee such an impactful and important filmmaker even Correct. when he has a movie like Summer of Sam which is not perfect by any means there's something of value in there
1: there's something of value in there absolutely absolutely um and yeah i mean he he <laughs> there's a lot to untuck uh the city the racial relations of the city the heat yeah. Uh, the crime spree. I, I I love I love I love his ability to tackle other neighborhoods and um mm-hmm. and other you know that's that's the thing. He doesn't only make films about his uh what he's personally familiar with. He I mean, yeah. I'm sure being grown up in New York City, he's familiar with it, but he didn't live in the heart of it. And he's made multiple films or had multiple films that had store complete storylines um in completely different neighborhoods. And this neighborhood um that he is covering here. Uh, it just was a great sort of um, view into this neighborhood um this, this group of people and 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 it wasn't they weren't mobsters yeah right so you, now we have a look inside he's given us a look inside this this neighborhood and we're not only looking at the mob mob <laughs> family yeah you know uh, italian americans in new york city i mean in this in this in this neighborhood so that's another thing i can uh, give him a lot of props mm-hmm. on.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad that I'm really glad that uh, we ended up doing this discussion because it gave me a chance to revisit the movie,
1: and yeah. it it's,
0: it's a movie I was going to revisit anyway because I am a I am a fan of Spike Lee. I do right. respect him as a filmmaker. I do think he's one of the great filmmakers of our time, and certainly one of the most important ones. So it was good right. to revisit this at some point. But I'm glad that for this purposes of what I'm trying to do with the year movie year of 1999, it gave me a chance to revisit in that context. Because the the thing that's so the thing that's so kind of incredible about that year in particular is that you have a lot of filmmakers taking big swings. with movies and even if they don't completely land like this doesn't it's it's still something that's important and still something that has has an impact in one way or another even if it's not necessarily up there with Spike Lee's best films
1: it speaks to the error right so it speaks to that error in that year uh, of this, in this incredible year where these people, like you said, took these swings, man. And some of the, and, and, and if you put it up, if you put it in a different year, <laughs> your competition is not as high, yeah. right? So you're not looking at, I mean, you, you're up against fight club. You're up against um, you're up against um, um, American beauty being yeah. John Malkovich. That's an impossible <laughs> year to compete Okay. Those guys don't even have a best film, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even say who's the best film out of out of that group, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean you can debate or say favorites, but those were some really great pieces of work. Uh so it, it is very interesting that he was a part of that era in this in this release, you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I'm mean, I I it's something that if you didn't do and I'm glad you did this, Brian, um, it could easily have been overlooked. Um, in this, in the, in the, in that year. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you including it in the list there, man. And, mm-hmm. um, and it, it gave me another reason to revisit it. I do from time to time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate the invitation.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And thank you very much for, uh, thank you very much for joining me on this. I'm glad we, uh, it, you know, one of the things that's been so great about not, not in this series in particular, but one of the things I've tried to do in the podcast in general over the past couple of years is the, this idea of basically getting filmmakers, getting people who make movies, just, you know, giving them the opportunity to talk about movies that are not their own. Okay. movies that <laughs> they enjoy and movies that, and filmmakers that they appreciate. And right. that's one of the things that's been so great about this is like – and most – and pretty much all of these films that the individual filmmakers are choosing, they are their choice. And so it's like, right. hey, this is a, <laughs> this is a movie I want to talk about. And it's like, even if it's not necessarily their top choice, it is a choice. And it's, and it's interesting. I know how I feel about these movies and it's like, I, and being able to revisit, I have a better idea of how I feel about these movies, but at the same time, it's like my interest in doing this series is more to get other people's impressions on how they feel about these movies.
1: What did you feel about this movie in this era? uh you know that 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 yeah that makes that that is awesome uh could you could you refresh my memory which one that you give which one is my boy uh boy athlete doing so so we
0: started out we we've actually got three this year uh we start out with being john malkovich that was the first. Oh, one he's so recorded. lucky,
1: lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, the
0: next one we did was bringing out the dead, the Scorsese film with Nicolas Cage.
1: That, yeah, okay, that's a good one. That's, a, actually, that's a good
0: one. And, and then say. actually, uh, he he and I are going to be recording later today. Payback. Payback. So yeah.
1: <laughs> that's Awesome man.
0: <laughs> but we still, but you and I still have Blair Witch project coming up. So I'm looking. We forward got Blair Witch
1: discussion. Yes, sir. I, I uh, always want to revisit that one as well, so I, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, looking forward to Blair Witch and uh, and listening to, catching up on the rest of the uh, takes for 99. Man.
0: Yeah. I'd like to thank Prince and Holt for joining me to uh, discuss Summer of Sam. Uh, it's a movie that I was going to get to at some point anyway because of the fact that I'm i have been going back through uh, Spike Lee's work over the past few years for Movie A Week, so it was definitely a movie I was going to revisit, but I'm glad that the uh, class of 1999 has given me a, ch- gave me a chance to do it uh, at this point. Coming up, there are a few more episodes that I'm actually going to be recording the day that I'm recording this. Um, we have some... Uh, thrillers we have some horror movies coming up in october uh we've got three really good horror movies coming up in october october i'm also going to try to do some more uh early access reviews and some of those might be youtube videos some of those will be print reviews but i've got a lot more coming on uh the class of 1999 For now, though, this is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Hit me up on Patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema Um, and uh, catch me at the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel as well as www.sonic cinema.com. Thank you very much.